I tell my story in a way that other artists don't. And I think a lot of people can connect with that. My end goal is to be able to connect with a large audience. I know that's easy to say, but that is what I think about constantly. When I'm in a writer's room, I'm like, how can I connect with the person on the front row and the back row with this song right here? And I learned that through touring too. I, Kenny Chesney, he, he said that before every show, he'd go to the top row in the back of the stadium and look at the stage and say, how can I connect with you? tonight welcome back to the stars volta podcast season two episode two i'm your host stevie t and we have a great show for you today our next guest is changing what it means to be a country music artist by infusing punk pop and indie rock into the classic country music storytelling he got his start in the band 641 and in december of 2023 he dropped his solo single Way Too Much, which can stream everywhere that you get your music. And on January 19th, you could download his new single, Leave Like That. Without further ado, the pride of Hopkinsville, Kentucky, Austin. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So yeah, you got a lot of good music that's been coming out recently. We will talk about that in a little bit. So we'll start with how you got into the music business and how you got to where you are now. Tell us a little bit about growing up in Hopkinsville and how you actually got into music. Yeah, man. So Hopkinsville is only an hour north of Nashville. So I grew up around country music. I came down to Nashville probably once a year with my family just to do the tour stuff. Like we'd go to Opry Mills Mall for like school shopping and stuff like that. But I was always cultured around country music. And uh, my town's just like any other typical small town. I guess I wouldn't say it's the smallest town. We had about 30,000 people, but my actual town was about 20 minutes outside. I just like to claim it. But yeah, I, I grew up like riding four wheelers and dirt bikes, playing catch. I was a huge sports guy. Uh, that's kind of what filled my time. And I think it was a perfect town to do that. We had a lot of guys that uh, went on to play college ball, whether it be basketball or baseball. So it was great competition where I was from. But I didn't really know music could be a profession until I got to college. Very prominent songwriter in town is from my hometown. And he would do a Christmas benefit concert every year where he would raise money for the kids of Hopkinsville. One time, I got the opportunity to open for him, just like a, a writer's round style, which is like you just have an acoustic guitar and you play your, your original songs. And at that point in time, I was a senior in high school. I've written one song in my entire life, and it was to ask out my girlfriend at the time. <laughs> uh, she said, yeah, but broke up with me two weeks later. So I guess it wasn't that good of a song. <laughs> uh, the hook must have been good because she said yes. Oh, yeah. Or maybe she was like a pity yes. I don't know. I don't know, but she was at that benefit concert and she heard me play it. She was like feeling bad for herself, I bet. The guy's name that puts it on is Bryce Long. He invited some of his friends to play their songs and I got the opportunity to talk to all of them after the show and it was like picking their brain of like how they got into music and how do they write a song, like the crafting of writing a song went. Because like I said, I've only written one at the time by myself. I was too naive. I was like, hey Bryce, uh, would you mind if I sit in on a write one time in Nashville? And he was like, well, buddy, that's kind of not how it works, but just keep <laughs> writing, man. Keep writing and send me some songs. So I was like, okay, okay. So that's what gave me that bug. But I always grew up in choir and theater before that. So I was used to being on a stage and, and singing and stuff like that. I just didn't know you could take that and make it a career in country music. 
So it wasn't until I met my uh, my old duo partner in college that I realized that, all right, we're pretty good at this and people dig what we write. And I think we can make some money doing it, you know, and it, it was the most fun I've ever had. Got me back on a stage, not singing The Lion King, you know what I mean? So that's that's kind of what got me into music and realizing you can make a career out of it. At, at that point, who was who were some of the country music artists that you were looking up to? Well, I grew up on Kenny Chesney and Tim McGraw. Uh, those are my two huge influences. But at the time where I started the duo with my partner, it was FGL. I mean, they were taking the world by storm at that point. Cole Swindell, Sam Hunt just started popping off, and Thomas Rhett. So those guys right there kind of what made me want to be a songwriter artist because I knew that they wrote songs first. And me and my, my partner, that's how we thought you became an artist in Nashville. You start by writing songs, get your songs cut. Then people around town start hearing your voice and we're like, hey, we'll, we'll give we'll give this guy a shot. So uh, that's what we did. And then we just took that leap after college in 2017 and moved to town and started doing it. You mentioned college. You went to Murray State. You went there to, to play baseball and you met your partner, Brooks Hoffman. I heard a story that you guys were originally you know, writing songs in the basement and even recorded one song in the bathroom and we're uploading all that stuff onto SoundCloud. Tell me a little bit about that time. Yeah, man. So we met, we actually met at a philanthropy event put on by sorority, the AOPIs on campus. They do this thing called Mr. MSU every year. And it's like the top fraternity guys from each each frat would compete, kind of like a male beauty pageant kind of thing. And uh, we were both uh, sophomores at the time. And we were backstage at a rehearsal trying to figure out what we were playing for our talent portion. And he heard me playing guitar and singing one of my songs. And he comes up to me and he's like, oh, you write songs? I do too. I'm like, oh, that's cool. We should, we should write sometime. Kind of like the Nashville thing. Like, hey, let's write. And then nothing happened. Six months goes by. And we just, we still kept tabs on each other because there's a, a lot of like open mic nights around town where this, he was in Sigma Chi. So the Sigma Chi's would come out and watch him. But then the, the Pikes would come out and watch me. And like, we'd have that competition going on. And then... It was the end of sophomore year. The Sigma Chi's were throwing a toga party, and I was there having a great time, I would say. And uh, I met, I see Brooks at the bottom of the staircase, and I was like, hey, man, I, I remember you're from Louisville, Kentucky. I actually have an internship there this summer. He's like, well, come on, come on to my house on your first day there, and let's see if we can write something. I'm like, okay. Didn't think much of it. I was like, he's just he's just talking. Sure enough, my first day there, I'm in my cubicle, and I get a text from Brooks saying, hey, are you in town? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, come over. Let's see if we can write. I'm like, okay, all right. So after work, I drove 30 minutes to his house. We weren't friends at the time. like We were acquaintances. like We knew of each other. But we got there and started just singing covers and just trying to write something, and it just flowed so great. I remember we recorded I'm Coming Over by Chris Young and posted it that night, uh-huh. and people just went crazy over it. And we're like, all right, I think we got something kind of cool here. Probably four out of the five days a week I was there, I would go over to his house and we'd write songs. Towards the end of, the, end of that summer, that was 2014, I believe, we had about six or seven songs ready to go, and Brooks was like, I have SoundCloud and I have GarageBand. Do you want to try to record this stuff? And I'm like, let's freaking go. I've never recorded before. So we just spent the end of that summer, the end of my internship, in his room recording songs. We recorded one in his bathroom because he thought the the reverb was better in there. <laughs> we couldn't figure out what reverb was. So we're like, let's just do it in the bathroom. That's, we read that that's how they used to do it. 
<laughs> oh god so we did that we did that put it on soundcloud and a couple of weeks later this guy reaches out to us through email and he was like hey hey guys i saw your stuff on soundcloud it's pretty good i'm from nashville i manage some artists down here if you want to make a legit project i can help you and we're like say less so we went to nashville the next month with five more songs and uh went into a studio we met him he already had the band ready to go. That was our first experience in Nashville recording. Like we recorded five songs in, in two days. That's wow. looking back, that's a lot of stuff. Cause now I record one song at a time and try to focus on it that way. But back then we we're just we we're just so wide eyed and we were just ready to go. Yeah, he found us on SoundCloud, got us there, and we put out our first actual project in the summer of twenty fifteen, I believe. So yeah, it's, it, it was it was crazy. Pretty wild that you know he found you guys and that you guys were just at the time recording in a bathroom on GarageBand. <laughs> on GarageBand, but you guys ended up creating a band together. You and Brooks and the the band name was Six Forty One. Tell us what Six Forty One means. So Six Forty One is the main highway that cuts through Murray State, Murray State's campus. It's where all the bars kind of go off of. The campus is there, restaurants. Everybody around that area knows Highway 641. It even cuts through Kentucky, goes through my, my town too. We moved to Nashville and started putting out music. We still didn't know our name yet. We're trying to figure it out. And we we talked around some names that were pretty pretty crappy. We're asking around people, and, and his cousin actually was like, what about the 641 band? And we're like, 641 band? Okay, but that sounds like 1999 country. I don't know. He's like, what about the 641? And I'm like, well, we're not an alternative band, so let's just drop <laughs> let's just drop the the and just call it 641. So that's kind of how that name came to be. But we wanted to pay homage to Murray because that's kind of that's where we got our start. So mm -hmm. uh, it, it felt fitting. Over that period of time, what did you learn with 641, and what did it mean to you? So many things. We recorded those EPs with the guy that reached out to us while we were still in college. We were still on campus doing that. We moved to Nashville afterwards and didn't know what to do. We were just writing with whoever we could. That's one of the first advice we got when we got to town. It's just like, just write as much as you can with whoever you can, because then you could start shrinking your circle once you start finding what, what works. So that's what we did. I had a day job where I worked from 6 a.m. to 4.30, Sunday to Wednesday, and, and Brooks had a day job too. And we'd write in the afternoons every night. And then on the off days, we'd write twice. And we just try to pile it up. So we had one song we finished that we thought was very good and we wanted to put out. We thought it was good for the first one. It was called Playing Crazy. And we put that out in April of 2018. And we didn't know how to promote it or anything. We just put it out and we're like, let's just uh, put $100 on Instagram, see what happens. A couple of days later, we get a DM from this guy saying, hey, I saw y'all's video. I love your, your song. It sounds great. When's the next time you're playing the show? And we're like, well, funny you ask, because we're playing this Thursday in Louisville. At we didn't tell him it was like a frat party, but it was a it was a <laughs> frat party, and it was all of Brooks's little brother's friends. So like they knew the songs already, so we were set. We were good to go. So we told him he's like, all right, cool, I'll be there. And I looked at his his bio, and it said BrantleyGilbert.com, and I'm like, what in the world, dude? This guy, this guy's legit. All right, so he's not just not just be, you know being weird sliding in our DMs on on Instagram. <laughs> so uh, the show happened. He shows up with a buddy, and thank God, 
the crowd was singing the songs to our, like the words to our songs. Yeah. Because after that, he's like, hey, let's go get some pizza. Let's talk. So we go get some pizza, and he's like, I really love what I saw tonight. I'd love to manage you guys. And we're like, yes, please. Like that, We knew that was a step you had to take to get to where we wanted to go, and he, he offered for free. And we're like, okay, like this seems a little too good to be true, but we'll go with it. There was no contract, no nothing. It was like a handshake deal. And looking back, that's another thing I learned in Nashville is like the right people will come when they believe in you. You don't have to go out and seek people because people, people that believe will put their time and effort when they don't have to. And mm-hmm. that's, that's what this guy did. He's still my manager today. Same as Aaron Kaiser. So He's still free, huh? still free, still free. Wow. Um, I told him, I was like, I mean, I can't wait to get to the point where I, I start paying you because I wouldn't be here without you. So yeah, it's, it's been a great relationship with him, but we put that song out in April. By June, we were playing with Brantley Gilbert at an arena, and it was it was so insane. Like like I said, I grew up in theater and stuff. I I know how to be on a stage, but not in front of twelve thousand people. And I'm yeah. singing my songs, so I learned real quick how to how to interact with a larger crowd and talk because. I can sing in front of 12,000 people. I can't talk in front of 12. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. So I remember that show, it was in between two of our songs. And I was like, are y'all ready for the show after us? Just like that. <laughs> Just like that. And the, you could hear a pin drop in that arena. And I could hear my band, my bass player in our talkback might go, what the hell did you just say? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Luckily I made up for it a little bit later with like a ginger joke or something and got them laughing. But I learned that how to be professional on a stage and we got to hang out with Branley after and he, he kind of told us some of the tricks of the trade and what to stay away from, what to, you know, what to hang on to. And he's been like a big, a big brother or an uncle to me, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. So from there we were just playing with Eli Young Band, Walker Hayes, Michael Ray, just trying to get our chops up. He, our manager really kind of threw us to the, to the wolves a little bit, but that was the best way for me to get ready. I mean, I grew up in sports and the best way to learn is to play the better people and get better. So that's, I kind of applied that to music yeah. throughout the years too. But man, th- throughout the years, one of the main things I learned is is patience and it doesn't always come when you want it to come. Like you think you're ready for when it's coming, but you're really, you're really not. And everything happens for a reason. I There's multiple things we did where we were getting aggravated and agitated saying like, it's taking too long. It's taking too long, but months would pass and then it would happen and we'd be ready. But before that we didn't even know how to do it. So we learned ourselves beforehand and then it happened. We're like, that's funny how that works. Every time it's, it's God's time. And I've just learned to roll the punches and just keep my head down and keep pushing. Visualization, imagery, trying to see the scenarios that happen before they happen. So when you're in the moment, you've played that scenario out in your head before. Right. You can do it all you want in your head playing to 12,000 people, but when you act when it actually happens, it's kind of hard to digest. Definitely. So tell me a little bit about what you would visualize and what is it that you're trying to get out of this? Get your music out there to make people feel what you feel from music. What exactly is it that you're you're looking to get out of being a country music artist besides the money and the fame yeah yeah yeah. well i mean i guess the top layer superficial i guess you could say like 
I love entertaining. I love being on a stage. So the bigger, the biggest stages that I can play on, I want to get to those stages. Like I, we used to visualize playing arenas on our own and even stadiums and, and stuff like that, because that's, that's where I feel the most at home is on a stage. And once we started writing the songs for ourselves, it got to where I wanted people to feel what we were feeling. And I think the goal has changed a little bit. I still want to play those big stages and have my own, you know, headline tour and stuff like that. But I really do want people to connect with who I am as a person because I, I feel like there's a lot of people out there just like me. I tell my story in a way that other artists don't. And I think a lot of people can connect with that. My end goal is to be able to connect with a large audience. I know that's easy to say, but that is what I think about constantly. When I'm in a writer's room, I'm like, how can I connect with the person on the front row and the back row with this song right here. And I learned that through touring too. I, Kenny Chesney, he, he said that before every show, he'd go to the top row in the back of the stadium and look at the stage and say, how can I connect with you tonight? So I've, I've never forgotten that. I think it's fun to me trying to figure out the puzzle pieces of how to connect with people like that. So I think, I think that, that would be my main goal. It's just trying to include as many people as I can in what I'm doing and and hopefully it helps them out in their life because country music has helped me grow in mine. And I know what I'm doing can help people for years to come too. What was some of the advice that Brantley Gilbert gave you that resonated the most? A lot of his advice that first night was a lot of the touring aspect of like what to stay away from. Some things I can't really say on the microphone, but uh, he said to basically remember that you're still running a business when you're out here and treat it like you're running a business because it could go away tomorrow. And that always stuck with me. He's he's lived life a lot more than I have, and he's been through a lot of things. And he told us a lot of things can come into your life that can derail your goal without you even knowing because it did to him a little bit. And he had to kind of reel back. And he's like, I'm just telling you guys now, before you get to that point, be cognizant of what you're putting in your body or who you're around while you're on the road because you can get sucked up into that life real quick and forget that you're running a business and you're trying to get to that next step. So that's really what stuck with me. And he's just been super supportive about the music. He's like, make what you want to make. Like, not everybody's going to love it. I mean, when he started, he was making the heavy rock country and that wasn't, that wasn't really around at the time. But it took somebody like him to create that style for everybody else to hop on board. Now he's one of the biggest. And that's kind of what he says, like, step outside the box because you never know yeah, you might catch some heat for it right now, but there's a lot of people that like it. And soon soon enough, they'll, they'll come around. So that's probably one of the main words of wisdom he, he's given me. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, step outside the box and create your own box if you have to because Definitely. people can listen to you anywhere, anytime. Getting back on track, you were with 641 with Brooks, and then you decided you're, as a band to, to break up. When did that happen and why? So that happened in February of, this, of last year. Uh, 2023. Just a lot of different factors started coming into play. COVID hit. We were riding high from 2018 to 2020 on the road every other weekend. Our music's getting streamed on playlists. Like we're doing, we're doing pretty well for ourselves, and uh, we we're super fortunate for that. Then COVID hit. The labels that we're looking at is kind of backed off because they were trying to save money and kind of stung a little bit because we were right, we were right there. It just kind of all went away. So we had to kind of take a step back and self-reflect on who we are as people and as a duo and where we want to go. So we uh, spent COVID in 2021 and part of 2022 putting out our stuff, trying to recreate a sound that hasn't been pushed yet in country. 
and it just felt like what we were doing wasn't wasn't resonating enough. It's kind of like we we're pushing a rope, so to say. But that's not to say that we didn't have a blast doing it. Like we were having the most fun we've ever had creating the sound that we wanted to create. It just wasn't resonating for some reason. And I had a publishing deal, which is where you get paid to write songs for a living from June of 2020 to June of 2021. And it just randomly ran out. No one let me know. My lawyer had to huh. had to email me and let me know. It was it was rough, man. Yeah. But I had to go back and get a day job. And I graduated with a degree in occupational safety and health. It's like I was the safety guy. Yeah. So I got a job with GM here uh, a little bit south of Nashville, and I was their safety guy. But I would have to go back and forth between Detroit and Spring Hill every every other week. So it was taking a, a huge toll on me trying to write songs. Uh, my energy level just was not there anymore. And they were, they were just expecting too much of me in my job. The duo kind of stalled a little bit music wise we were recording we were trying to record and stuff but like I said we were pushing a rope and it made me really self-reflect on like what what do I want as Austin for my music like what do I want my music to sound like who do I want to reach with it and what do I want to say so I felt like I kind of lost myself towards the end in writing I felt like I wasn't telling my story and it kind of disconnected me with the music a little bit so no kidding I quit my job February 3rd and then I had the conversation with Brooks late February and told him but to me it kind of felt like it was in the waters already that feeling from both of us no one no one would say it so when I brought it up it was definitely hard it was the hardest conversation I've ever had to have because I've spent almost eight years of my life making music with him and wouldn't trade it for the world, but he was very receptive to it too. Obviously, it hurt us both, but we both understood why. And he's still doing his solo artist thing, and I'm doing mine. We even met up after and kind of went through our catalog and picked out songs that we wanted to take with us. So it, it ended cordial at the end of the day. But yeah, February is when it happened, and then I've just spent this whole last year just finding my sound, writing my music, and. Getting in the studio, I'm I'm recording with the same producer that 641 was with. He was on board to stay on with me and make this sound, and it's been great so far. And I'm sure that you know being a duo has, like you said, you lost yourself. You're trying to create a sound that is the sound of 641, right? He probably has a different sound. You have a, a different sound, and you're trying to come together to make what 641 is. So, right, you know, kind of making some sacrifices of the the sounds that you personally have and he was probably making some sacrifices as well and definitely yeah that probably you know led to breaking up so how would you describe your sound what did you go through or what did you find over this year that you can now honestly say this is my sound i know one of the uh, videos i saw you said you know this song is a mixture between machine gun kelly and morgan wallen is that how you would describe your sound that's how I'd like to describe my sound. Uh, it's not how, how people describe it, but uh, I'll get there. I'll get there eventually. Yeah, I grew up. I loved the alternative stuff. Like, I was a huge uh, like a Day to Remember fan, and even like Pierce the Veil, like even heavier rock stuff. So I always wanted to kind of get back to that sound, that live band, heavy guitar sound. And then when I heard the band Camino, do you know who they, they are? No, I don't. No, you should check them out. They're the Ban Camino. They're out of Nashville. They're like an indie alt band. I heard them. And I was like, wow, like that is the music that I love. I'll I'll put them on repeat and just jam it out. But I was like, 
is there a way I can take this type of music and just put country lyrics in there and make it country? So that's honestly my my sound. If you, you check them out, I just I like to call it Camino Country a little bit. Okay. I think that's what I'm tackling right now. My next song coming out kind of gives that vibe too. I just wanted to go into the alt world because I think Hardy, whenever he put out his Mockingbird and the Crow album, it went heavy metal, heavy rock. I'm like, all right, well, if he broke it open that wide, there's a lane for me in between. Yeah. So th- thank God for Hardy for doing that. I think that's, yeah, that's what I'm trying to tackle is that little alt pop stuff. Yeah. People like even Cole Wetzel, you know, they created their own little avenue and didn't want to sacrifice their sound for what Nashville wanted them to be. And like you said, people will find you and listen to you. There, there's people who like that kind of sound. When I'm listening to your music, that's what I, when I was first hearing, I was like, it's a mixture of punk rock, pop, and country all together. And when I first heard your, your song way too much, I'm like, wow, this is really good. I think it just like popped up on my feed on Instagram. I don't know whether it was the one where you're on a roof or where <laughs> in front of yeah. uh, an apartment building. I'm like, this is really good. I'm like, Who's this guy? I appreciate it. That's what me and my producer, Matt, talked about before we got this project started. We're like, I told him my influences. This is what I want to be. I want to keep it country in the lyrics, but make the sound alternative, pop, indie pop, something like that. And he's like, bro, I got you. I've been waiting for you to say that. Like, that's my bread and butter. Let's do this. So he was super excited to do it. And I'm really happy with how all these songs have turned out. I'm glad you like way too much. That's awesome. Yeah, so Way Too Much came out December 1st, the first song that you put out there as a solo artist. If I cannot be thinking about the first kiss holding you every night Keep it somewhere in the middle, just miss you a little, that'd be alright But I've been missing you way too much, hearing last call way too much I've been letting your memory get a hold of me, telling me that I need your touch about those lyrics so we actually wrote that with brooks matt and another buddy mason on a writer's retreat a couple years ago and brooks's house in northern kentucky we were experimenting with this kind of sound we didn't dive into it fully but way too much just happened that groove started playing and mason was just like i've been missing you way too much and we're like oh man okay let's do this thing so it, we kind of tapped into our past relationships of, uh, I'm, I like alcohol. All right. I'm just going to preface that. <laughs> and whenever my past relationships would end, I would resort to the bar. And that's what this song is all about. You're missing this girl and you're staying out too late, way too much. I feel like a lot of guys can relate to that, especially around my age in the college scene stuff like that. Like you're just trying to look for any excuse to stay out because you don't want to be alone at the end of the night or you want to get to where you don't remember it kind of thing. I know that's that's pretty bad to say, but you just want to be able to fall asleep and wake up the next day kind of thing. Yeah. And that's what this song is about. It's just you messed up. She went her way and you're trying to go yours, but you can't. Yeah. So you're just you're stuck at the bar kind of thing. And it don't even have to be the bar. It could be staying out staying up at the house way too much or at, at a buddy's place whatever it's just the bar to me was my place to go yeah yeah it kind of came out in the song you're looking for a distraction so you have to think about 
you know, said girl. Yeah. Alcohol does a, a good <laughs> job of doing that. You get in a good, uh, good groove, start having, having some fun. So in that video, music video I saw of way too much, you have a bottle of uh, Elijah Craig. So is that your favorite? Is that your go-to? Is whiskey your, your go-to? Yeah. Yeah. Bourbon's my go-to. My drink of choice, Jim Beam. I know it's, it's not the best thing in the world, but it's mine. I, I love it. Any type of bourbon I'll go to. For some reason, I'm not a beer guy. A lot of people are. I've tried it. It just doesn't sit well with me, literally. Like my stomach, I don't get drunk on it kind of thing. So I stick with the with the, the liquor. Yeah, that, that video was fun. That idea for that video was insane. The videographer, her name is Anna, she brought that concept in. She saw another video on YouTube and was like, that's a great camera angle effect that we can use for this song because it feels like I'm just kind of like drunk at the bar, like missing her way too much. So mm-hmm. that, that video is just me stumbling around this warehouse for two hours straight in this video and every take. It was it was really fun. With a camera strapped to your your, your stomach, right? Was, or your waist? Yeah, it was duct taped to my whole body. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That was it was it was an experience for sure because I mean I had a camera strapped on my body. The videographer is holding the camera to make sure it's steady. And I had to act like I was drunk and do all that stuff. So it was, it took a little bit to get in the character. Yeah. But uh, I think it turned out great. Yeah. It, it looks great. It looks like you're having fun in the video too. So you have a, another single that's going to be coming out, coming out soon. Leave like that. Tell us when that's coming out and tell us a little bit about the motivation for the lyrics on that song. So that one's coming out January 19th. I'm super excited about it. That's the one that we're, we're pushing the hardest. This one, it's all about kind of before way too much. And you mess up. She's grabbing her things at the house. She's she's moving out. She's leaving. And she doesn't really give you a reason why. And you're like, what's, what's going on? Like, aren't we going to talk about this? Like, didn't we just say we we're going to make it work? Like, yeah, we're having problems, but like, we can, we could do this if you're wanting to. But she's like, nah, screw you. I'm, I'm out. Like, it's been too long. So I'm like, Man, how are you going to leave like that? We both say that we were going to be the ones to make it work. Isn't happening and backing up just only going to make things worse. Didn't we just paint the town, cruise around all last week? Didn't I just put the money down for a trip to PCB? Hold up, girl, you left your t-shirt hanging in the closet. Ain't you going to own it back? Looks like you forgot your makeup sitting shooting the video for this on the 27th and it's kind of a, a cool concept of like she's picking her stuff up going to the car and i'm like running to the car like hey like let's talk about this blah 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 and she just like rolls the window up backs out and i'm just walking through the house looking at all of her stuff like kicking myself like why did i mess this up again so it's it's kind of the precursor to way too much and did you actually put down money to a trip to PCB at one time and some girl didn't go with you or what? <laughs> no, it, that was, that fit the song. I mean, there was, it was a uh, Fort Lauderdale where it was, uh, I did put a trip down for that and it didn't end up working out, but PCB just kind of fit a little better in the song, but something like that did actually happen. Yeah. 
Yeah, and having PCB in there, it, it is pretty good. A lot of people can relate. Uh, when I went to school at Troy, Troy Alabama, uh, we used to go down to PCB. Even when I went to school at Illinois State, we'd go down to PCB. It's uh, It used to be, I heard that they, they shut down a lot of things there that uh, used to be wild, but now I think they, like, you, you can't have bottles on the, the beach, or they did something where people aren't, it's not what it used to be. Yeah, me and my friends went down the last year before they did that rule. Because I remember they were having signs up and say, hey, next year, no alcohol on the beach. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, this is what this beach is. Like, this is a college beach. Yeah. But I get it. They were trying to clean it up, but I don't think it worked. It's still pretty raunchy down there. Sharkies. And I can't remember the, the names of the other stuff, but we, we, used, to, we used to get after it down in, in PCB. There's nothing like a good beach trip. Oh, the best. The best. All right. Moving on to the, uh, the next topic. There's a video that I saw of you of how you write a song. And in the video, it has you jumping on splice. And in there, you first initially look for a sound guitar loop and then the drums, the match and the vibe that it gives you. If it gives you a good vibe, then you go to the, the melody. Is that how you write a song all the time? Or is that a process that you do on your own every now and then? So that process, I love doing that to come up with my ideas to take into my rights with other people. I do the majority of my, my writing with at least one other person to two people. I just feel like I can better tell a story if somebody's helping me do it. My, my bread and butter, I'd like to say, is melodies. So to be able to hop on Splice and go through these sounds of like, you know, what am I feeling today? And most of the time I have to be inspired to do that. But that day I was feeling it and... I love going behind a microphone and just humming until something comes out. And then a couple words will come out and be like, oh, that word's cool. Let's try to write towards that word. And then another word will spill out. And like, all right, let's connect these words kind of thing. It's a cool puzzle to me. It makes it easier at least to write the melody of a song. Yeah. And in my, in my opinion, I think the melody is the, the most important part. I mean, people hum the melody. They don't start talking the words if they remember a song you know what i'm saying true so if the melody's hot then the song's gonna be hot just gotta make the words make sense yeah especially for country especially for country music i know in pop they do that method that you were talking about that i did all the time that's how they write songs they'll go behind a mic hum do all that stuff and they'll copy and paste different verses that fit here 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 but country music you have to tell a story and that's why I love country music, but I also love the pop aspect of the melodies. So me being able to go in and kind of freestyle to take into rights to help make a story, I'm all, all for it. I saw that you signed with Roundhill Nashville. Is that a publishing company that you're writing for? It is. Yeah, I've, I've been with them since June of this past year. Loving it so far. So as a writer, obviously you're writing not just for you, right? You're writing for other people. Tell us what that process is like when you write a song and what are your options when it comes to either you keeping it or someone else keeping it? So they signed me as an artist first because they believe in me as an artist and they want to see me get to that next level. They set up rights for me that they think fit my vibe and would help me get the song that I need for the project. So I go into every room thinking it's for me. I, we write for me. And then when the song comes out, if it doesn't feel like my vibe, I'll turn it in and say, hey, I like this song a lot. I think this artist, this artist, or this artist could sound good singing this too. And they're like, oh, yeah, awesome. Every, every time I write for me, and then I'll tell them after the fact, hey, I'm keeping this for my project. What do you think about it? And they'll tell me yes or no or what needs to be changed, stuff like that, which I love having them as like a, a proofreader. I think you need somebody like that to, to get the best song. And, 
my personal experience. And a lot of times they'll say, hey, I'll just randomly turn in the song. Don't say anything about it. Just turn it in. And they'll email me back like, oh, my God, this is great. We think this person will sound good on it. Do you care if we pitch it to them? Like, absolutely. Like, I'm still a nobody at this point in my career. So, like, if I can have some type of writing success before, it's only going to help me out. So I have a few songs kind of flowing around right now around the, the industry. But um, that's usually how it works. It's always for me first, and then it gets to other artists after the fact. That's nice. What have you learned about holding on to a song or what you need to do with lyrics to either help you create another song or letting go of what you thought was good? I've been writing for seven years now, and I've kind of come to terms with the fact that not everybody's going to like what you do. And a lot of the times, if your other writers in the room aren't vibing with something you're saying or something or direction you're trying to go. It's probably not the right direction for the song and you have to be okay with changing it up and writing a different way, but still keeping it true to yourself. Same with, same with uh, the publishers. If they're like, Hey, they'll email me all the time and say, Hey, we like the song, but we think you need to change the pre-chorus. Like the pre-chorus just isn't hidden. And we're like, okay. So we have to go back and, and redo it, which is fine. I love doing that too. One of the main things in the room that I've learned over the years is every day somebody has their skill set. So like one day I could be the melody guy. There's a great lyricist that I'm writing with and a track guy. So I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. But then another day there might not be a track guy there. So I might need to make just a simple splice loop like I made in that video while they help me write the song. So it's every day is different. And that's why I love co-writing so much because everybody has their skill set. And you have to realize in the room of like what you're saying, if it's not vibing, then switch and go uh, to a different skill set. Like I said, I like melodies. So most of the time I'm the melody guy, but I'm, I'm just fine with, with being the lyricist or the, or the simple track guy. I can't produce at all, but uh, I can at least get a vibe started. But that's one of the huge things I've learned is you have a lane every day when you go into a write, even if you're writing for yourself. So there's probably someone right now listening to this, or maybe they're not listening to this, but someone who's trying to do or write or produce or record a song on GarageBand right now, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of doing the same way that you used to do. They have the same ambition as you did. What advice would you tell that person right now? Get 1% better every day. Wake up and tell yourself, how can I get 1% better today? I heard that from Kenny Chesney at one of his seminars a couple of years ago, and it, it stuck with me. And it really can change your life and your mindset because you can wake up and get 1% worse every day. And then you look back to the end of the year and you're like, what have I been doing? Like I've, I've fallen so far behind. But if you wake up and just get 1%, little steps, little steps here and there, get the song out, finish the song, write another one. Little things like that add up over a year and you can look back and say, wow, I've came a long way in just this year because this this industry has a has a way of getting in your head and getting you jaded real quick. Because especially with social, social media now, you see all these other artists that are popping off and and some people that moved here after you did that are popping off. And you're like, what am I doing? As long as you wake up every day and just get one percent better, you're going to be better off at the end of the year. That's great advice. In sports psychology, when I would consult with people, it was all about process goals. You have your end goal of whatever that's going to be, uh, but having process goals to roll that momentum into little wins in between getting to that championship or whatever the, the end goal is to play stadium tours, to sign a deal, whatever it is, 
So you have process goals, daily goals, weekly goals, monthly goals. It helps roll that momentum to see that there is some progress in there. Because I'm sure that not just, uh, you know, in sports and but in music and writing that, like you said, you see other people that are um, popping off, getting success that were either coming up with you or came up after you. You just have to remind yourself that, you know, that's it's their time. It's not my time yet. Got to keep keep rolling and we'll get there soon. Exactly. And going back to the one percent and you're looking at other people popping off like if you wake up and say there's a producer listening to this right now or a writer if you don't write the song if you don't make the track no one's ever going to hear it so as long as you put it out finish it somebody will hear it in this town or wherever you're at and will want to help you out because they, they see your work ethic and they see your motivation to do it and good energy attracts good energy. So if you just wake up, do the thing, it will get noticed in due time. Like I said, you have to be patient. You know, not everybody's time is the same, but you'll, you'll get there. And, there. and there's a space in this music scene for everybody. What will you tell people who haven't listened to your music before that will be listening to your music, especially on January 19th when you release uh, your new song? How can you describe what your music will bring to a listener? Well, this EP is all about a relationship. I'm a hopeless romantic, so I love writing songs about that. And I hope this EP and my lyrics can resonate with people that may be going through a tough time in their relationship or are looking for a way to get that spark back. I have a song on there that's kind of like that too. There's a song on there for everybody. I just want people to connect with these lyrics in a way that maybe another artist wouldn't have said the same thing. And I think I've accomplished that, but... My main thing right now is I'm in the relationship phase. So like, I know there's a lot of people out there in relationships going through hard times, may have just broken up. That's what this EP is all about. There's a song on there for you. I, I'm sure you'll love it. It's upbeat, even though it's about missing someone. And that's what makes it. It makes it perfect. Tell us how people can find you, where they can find you on social media, where they can download your music, where they can watch videos of you. Yeah. On every social media, it's at It's Austin Music. Very active on all those platforms. So give me a follow, reach out to me. I'll respond to you. I love connecting with people and, and talking and getting input about the songs. You can also find me on Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, all that, all the streaming platforms. I'm there. Just type in Austin you'll find me. With this next release, it'll be a little bit easier to find me. I know this first one, it took a little bit for people to to see it come up just because it was so brand new. Especially on Spotify, it's hard to come up to the top right away. But this next one, we got it planned out to where it'll be more visible. So yeah, find me on all that stuff. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys. I, uh, I'm a goofy so just reach out to me with anything. and I'm, I'm happy to talk to you, man. Well, we appreciate your time. Thanks for being here on the show. But it's time for you to leave like that. Hey, <laughs> I love that. Hey, yeah, we've, we've been talking. We've been talking way too much, man. We got to we gotta <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for everybody for listening. And we'll catch you guys later. See you guys. Thanks for having me. Girl, you left your t-shirt hanging in the closet. Ain't you gonna